Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Good morning, Mateo. How are you? I'm fantastic, brother. How are you? I am good. Week yeah. before the, it, the holidays about to kick off. I'm excited. Uh, we we have a few banks, so you know life is good. So we're not scrambling. You know we're usually scrambling with these recordings. So I'm excited, and we got a great guest that I have never met before. So I'm pretty excited about that to, to dig in a little bit and learn some more. But you know that's it, rare that that happens, though, man. Like that we got somebody that you and I both think. I mean that you don't know, or one of us doesn't know. It's on rare occasion, but it happens sometimes and it's super fun. They're, they're interesting because I, I get to kind of sit back and, and try to so- soak it all in and, and get a little bit more. So it's, it's fun. But, you know, the, the interesting thing, too, is just thinking about the holidays and, and getting ready for the new year. You know, we're going to go ahead and record uh, the next episode, which might come up before this. So whatever is clever, it doesn't really matter. I'm excited about our our recap episode we're going to do. We're going to look back at our top episodes of 2022. Mm-hmm. It'll just be you and me. We'll recap um, some of our favorites and and kind of chat about that because we've had some pretty stellar some stellar interviews this year. And uh, next year is starting off with a bang as well. I mean, we have some some huge huge interviews lined up. Uh, some so we're pretty excited about that. But this one is no hell of a year. This is going to be a great interview. I'll let you take it from here. Well, I'm excited at our guest today, and I'm going to keep this introduction nice and short because I'm going (laughs) to... I'm sorry. I mean... Did you say nice and short? You keep an introduction nice and short? Hey, man. All right. All right. right. Don't get mad when I do what I do, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, no, seriously, before our guest leaves, because, uh, you know, we're just getting out of it. No, seriously, I I met, I had the opportunity to meet our guest uh, across the pond at a conference, really engaged in in terms of what they were doing at the time. And it'll all make sense once I introduce who I'm talking about. But uh, the one and only William Perry from Altito, he's the CEO, we'll talk about that, and the co-founder of Altito, which is a management and hospitality company on the other side of the pond. I know he's traveling all over the place. He'll be joining us today from London. But Altita's story is is one that is amazing and one that I think the industry can learn from how to build efficiency, how to build brand, how to build, you know, how to build a management brand style that guests can enjoy and that that value the guests in a way that combining resources and other tactics, we just don't see a lot of in the U.S. So let me stop talking. Will, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for finally coming on, man. It's been a while. It is good to see your face again, brother. How are you? I'm very well, guys. Thank you for, for both your introductions. And I, I must say, if we're having a sort of highlights reel of 2022, I hope that um, one, I'm not too late to feature and two, that this lives up to the promise so that I can make the grade. If not, I'm sure you'll slip me into 2023. But guys, yeah, really appreciated to to, to be here um, and speak to your listeners. Um, yeah, as, as mentioned, CEO and co-founder of Altido, but the, the story goes back a bit, a bit longer and it's been um, a great journey, but there's, it's not over yet and there's lots of excitements coming up. Let's go back a little ways. I, I don't know how far you want to go back. Maybe we can, uh, we can take it to how you got into the industry and, and how you were able to come up and form the London Residence Club. 
Yeah, it's a good place to start. Um, often get asked this question, and I, I wish I had a. I'm going to be very honest, and it's, this is after all the, the no BS. Yeah, there's um, no BS. Plus, yeah. So, so I'd love to say that it was um, a genius plan uh, with with a sort of long term, you know, ten year vision that we've just executed to the letter, and and we knew exactly where we're going. The reality, which I think is probably true for a lot of people who yeah. who um, find themselves in this business, is it it happened by chance, really. Um, and it was, um, I was, I was working with a, a pal in London doing something completely different. Um, we were making apple juice, which is, uh, yeah, is, is, For real? is not, I don't, think I, yeah. I don't think I ever knew that part. I don't think you yeah. ever knew that part. Apple juice. Yeah. Apple juice. You don't, you, even on the internet now, and despite the fact on the internet, you can find most things, even that story has begun to get erased. I was actually looking the other day to see if I could find our logo, but, um, Myself and um, Tom Archer, who is a co-founder of yeah. the London Residence Club and Altido uh, and, and heads up our Portuguese office. Yeah, we, we used to make juice and that was great. It was quite fun. People liked the juice and we were profitable, but it was a tiny business. Um, yeah. And it was, it was causing a few problems because Apple HQ was my parents' home and they didn't like the sort of vast quantities of apples that were all over their front garden. So, um, yeah. yeah. Wait, so hold up. Were you guys actually squeezing and like making this? <laughs> yes, in, in the early days. Yeah. The early, we, oh, no. Was this first. like mead or cider or was this straight like non-alcoholic juice for kids and like apple juice? Yeah, this was predominantly just straight juice. Although obviously once you do start um, getting into juice, you, if you just leave it around for a bit, it turns into cider. So we did do a bit of cider for, all, for our own yeah. consumption. Um, but yeah, we were, we were, we were making, making juice for a bit, um, which is a bit of a, a curveball. Um, mm -hmm. and I think, yeah, but it was great fun. Um, learned a bit about the basics of a business. Um, but we realized we needed something else. And so we, um, we started looking at the London property market, which is always very hot. Um, it's particularly hot back then, 2014. And we started getting to know, know that market, the real estate market a bit better, and we, we saw the niche for a high-end property management business, um, which we set up and we were very excited about, um, but we didn't have any clients, which was, was a bit of a problem. Till somebody came up to us and said, you do short-term lets, right? And I said, yes, that's, that's exactly what we do. Um, and we had our first client off the back of that. Hello, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> You are our first client. I won't mention his name, but um, but yeah, then and and then you know that that kicked off the most extraordinary journey um, over the next yeah seven years to to today. Um, but uh, yeah, it was founded with Tom in London. Um, we took on a few units, and away we went. So I, I know we're going to get through the whole trajectory, but you know I know, and you've gone through some different stages and some different you know complexities of, of different business together. But, you know, if you thought seven, eight years ago, you were just a handful of units, what if you were to give a, an, an approximate unit count, where are you at today? So today is, is increasingly hard to answer that question. And the reason is because we've diversified from so, so much from those early days, we still do what we did in those early days. So we still, and we still have, you know, that first client I mentioned is still a client with us today, which is great. So we still do the kind of an owner with a unit that has some sort of availability and they need um, the help of a, a company like us to, to help manage um, their short-term lets. So we still do that, but then we've, we've diversified into um, multi-unit blocks. So from sort of service apartments, apart hotels, and then with 
the deal that this is coming right to the other end of the story that happened at the start of the year where we where we we merged with a much bigger company called Dover Vivo, which is a Italian based company, uh, which is a co living company. So they they do in beds and rooms. So so we have we have units and we have have beds and then we have the kind of uh, meeting in the middle of those two things, which is where you have a product that we call pop-up hotels, which is it's essentially student accommodation, but in the mm -hmm. summer, the students aren't there because they're on holiday. Yep, so we right. flip that into, into a hotel and they're, they're, we might count that in rooms. So to put a long story short, you're looking at about 13,000 beds. Um, and in terms of actual properties, it's about, it's over two and a half thousand, but it'll, it'll be nearing, nearing 3,000 quite soon. So to go from those early... Yeah, it's from, from the London Residence Club days where probably a year into the business, we probably had about 50 units. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's a world away from them. You know, some exponential growth there. We can you know, easily say whether you're calling it beds or doors or, or whatever you're calling it. It was, uh, it's, it's still impressive. Yeah, so, let's 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 walk walk us through London Residence Club to the journey to Altito. Uh, you know, uh, sure. Definitely want to get into you know how you met the team, my boy Giancarlo and and, and yeah. Michael and Thomas. Like, yeah, I, like, I, it's it's a compelling story. So I don't want to I don't want to lose that part. Like, uh, and and John needs to hear it. So yeah, it's a good. As I was actually um writing a newsletter today and and going over that exact story. So it's fresh in my mind. So we. So L London Residence Club, or LRC as it, as it was there, was, was an independent property management business, short-term rental management business in, in London, as, as I mentioned. And we were growing through organic growth quite steadily. The first inflection point was 2017. So it was about two years into the business. And we were see seeing a lot, as in most urban areas at that time, a lot of companies in our sphere entering the market because the barriers to entry were pretty low. If you could get a hold of a property, you were kind of in business using things like Airbnb and Booking.com. And one of our competitors went bust. Um, so they had about 100 units um, and it, it, there was a, they went bust on the Monday and then there was a process to buy the contracts. And by Thursday, the new owners had the contracts and the new owners were us. So it was an incredibly fast process um, and it was quite a nerve-wracking one for Tom and I who hadn't done something like that before. And we were kind of competing with some quite well-funded big players in the industry. Um, and, and, and we were, you know, and for any of those that have ever been involved with that, I mean, that's basically four straight days, like a couple hours of sleep, like, like, yeah, no, there's no time to do anything else other than focus on this. It's high intensity and it's yeah. insanity. It's exactly that. And so much. So I remember I, I, I was kind of aware of that in the moment in my sleep deprived state, but I was like, I've got to document this. So one of the mornings or whatever time it was, I got up, I, I took a picture, a selfie, just so I was like, okay, this is, and, and also Tom and I took a picture in the office when we were doing, doing the late night. So it was, yeah, it was an extreme time. And, but, but we knew that this was a golden opportunity and that's the, that's the kind of time where you got to pull your finger out and go for it. And we did, um, and, and we were delighted to have bought this new business. And part of it, yes, the contracts was great. We were kind of doubling the size of our business, but a big part of it was an, an offshore office. So they, they had built as part of their team. They had a team in London, but they also had a team on the Black Sea in Varna in, in Bulgaria, a hmm. uh, place, country I'd never visited before. Um, and there's about 10 staff out there. So one of the first things we did was get on a flight to go and meet potentially our new team. 
Um, and they were key. We quite quickly worked out they were key to running the existing business, which, which we were sort of turning the lights back on, you know, lights had gone off on Monday, lights back on, on Thursday, let's get this going again. We've got a busy summer coming up and some owners to appease. And so we, that, that was massive for us because suddenly we realized there's a, there's a different way of doing this. And now it's become quite common, certainly over here of, of this idea of having, you know, offshore support in some way, whether it's in as far flung as the Philippines or whether it's in somewhere in Europe. So um, we decided to build that team and that team today has a hundred staff. So it's, Oh wow. Yeah. 10 X and is, and is a key part of what we do. And it's to to be clear, it's fully owned and managed by that, by us. I go out there probably about four times a year. We work with that team very closely. So 25% of our total workforce. So. And let's not underestimate like the power of, of keeping like an existing team together. We've talked about this on multiple occasions. We talk about it, um, if I think back to Jennifer Mooch's podcast, the, the importance of team. We talk about that, you know, if you're you're acquiring a company yeah. and that team knows the homeowners and the team knows the processes and you're new to it, like if you if they're good people and they're hard workers and, and they believe and they bleed that company already, why not keep them? Like it's it's it baffles me the you know, these companies that come in and they just completely, you know, you know, wipe the slate clean and try to start over. I mean, you're losing so much. And I, I, I applaud you and your team for, you know, for a going, getting there as quick as possible and keeping that team in line. And then obviously, you know, taking mm-hmm. care of them. And now, you know, you know, forexing that team um, in the time you've been there. I, you know, that's super important and not enough people are doing that. Thanks. Yeah, it's 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 a very good point, and I think at the time, because it was not as well known, it was it was it was you know I remember speaking to other people in the industry, and sort of a few raised eyebrows about it, and they didn't really understand how it could work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely one of those decisions where, in hindsight, you look back and you're like, wow, oh, that was that was a good one. We got that one right, and and you're totally right about the value. So much of the value was in that team. You know, if we look back in the grand scheme of things, the units that we took on, which we will still have a percentage of those units today, but it's nothing relative to the overall business. You know, those units, the revenue from them will will be a a tiny percentage. Whereas that team is everything to the the business. And it's something we're in, you know, we've, we've, I remember when we took over, we had one small office, then we moved into another, then we moved to another. And then most recently we took one of the the biggest offices in, in the city on the main square. So it's, that's an extraordinary journey for them to have gone to and some of the managers there. And a lot of that original team, so the 10 staff we had initially are still there today. And, wow. you know, they've gone, gone through us on that journey in the last five years. So, um, yeah, that was, that was definitely a big, big moment and, and a great learning experience for, for all of us. I guess following on from that, the next, you know, that was 2017, then continued to grow again mm-hmm. organically, independently. But 2018 was to Mateo's point, when we started to meet, you know, we, we, we're a bit more outward looking. I think up until that point, we, you know, there weren't many of us running the business. Tom and I were fully involved and it was, you know, it, it dominated our lives. And so we were quite, we, we were outward looking in terms of the London market, but beyond that, it was, it didn't really, we didn't have the time really or energy to, to do anything else. So, so we hadn't really been going to the conferences and seeing what's out there in the same way that some businesses had, but we started doing that in 2018 and that's when we began to meet some familiar faces um you mentioned Goncalo um in in Portugal who is very similar founder 
story, running an independent business in Lisbon. Same with um, Michael in Scotland um, and another guy called Davide um, in Milan in Italy. And there were other people we met, of course, but the kind of conversations there was, a, you'll probably remember. I mean, it's still, you still hear them today, but I think it was particularly right back then. Everyone was talking about consolidation and thinking this is a fragmented yeah. market. You know, it was still quite a nascent market, but a fragmented one. And so we were talking about that, but we were thinking, you know, we, as, as independently owned private businesses in our own markets, we were thinking, well, you know, actually, rather than trying to enter the city, raise some money and do it that way. And we'd seen other companies do that, but not overly successfully. Perhaps we, we, you know, we kind of put ego aside a bit, merge as equals. Yes, we dilute ourselves as shareholders, but we've got a really good platform for growth. And so again, to, to John's point, I mean, when you have a, a four day process, when you're buying a company, that's quite stressful. I can tell you when you're merging four companies together over different jurisdictions, different countries over a period of about a year, really. There's a lot of work and effort that goes into that and legals and all the rest of it. But we got it done in May 2019 with our new brand, Altido, which stands for A Life That I Dream Of. I always have to get that in because a lot yep. of people don't remember that or know about it. Um, and that's when we, we launched it. All right, well, let, repeat that one more time for our listeners. Yes. So Altido, um, it's, it's an acronym. Um, it's not a sort of Latin or Italian word, and it stands for A Life That I dream of, and that's because we're in the business of fulfilling travelers' dreams. Um, so that that's our aim is to delight the the guests via guest facing hospitality brand. In the, the it, you know, you know what's interesting with that is is it's the the acronym. You know, meet. You know, normally you hear an acronym, it's like, oh, okay, that's a, that's an acronym, right? And it's you wouldn't necessarily think Altito is an acronym, but the, because it sounds. I mean, it is your brand. I mean, Altido is, it sounds luxury. It, it comes across as exactly what you want it to come across as. And it's also a, a pretty phenomenal acronym. I, 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 is, I mean, it sounds like high, like altitude, like Altido. So you, you think, yeah. when I think of it, I think of like high standards. I think of, you know, high lofty ambition. And I remember when we were having these conversations at, at VRMA in Prague and you were telling me about, we were talking about this. One of the things that I appreciated about what you were doing at that time, nobody was doing what you were doing with the amount of humility. And like all of you had like these businesses and you were talking about merging and, and strength together, but it was done in such a way where the egos weren't there. It wasn't like, oh, I have this business and I have this business and we're jockeying to see, you know, who's going to lead this thing. No, you, the, the ambition in your eyes, like you guys had a goal and you knew that you were stronger together and you, and the way that you just talked about what you were doing with this space. And I don't even know if you'd announced like the whole, you know, where you guys were going with Altito yet. Like it was, you guys were on like the precipice of like really pushing it out there. But I remembered like we hadn't seen anything like that in, in the States at the time. And when you looked at the management structure, uh, and 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 the markets are very we're very different in Europe and in the U.S. Right, like you know when we're talking about companies in in the U.S. going to a different state, in Europe you're going to a different country, right? Like, and that's just exponentially more challenging when you look at merging together businesses and growing and expanding and scaling a business. It's not like you're just crossing state lines; you're crossing country lines, like passport, like all of these currency different. You know, they're, they're oh, all, it was all sorts it, of it was vastly complex. But to have that vision at that time and to be actively engaging in a way that I hadn't seen our business community acting 
uh, I hadn't seen that side of our business looking to scale that way was really novel. It, it was very different at the time. I, I, and it, stru- it struck a chord with me like, damn, like, why aren't, why aren't companies in the U.S. doing this to, you know, build and scale as opposed to the way they build and scale today? Um, so, you know, it's I, I don't know if you remember Prague like that, but I, I was very much so struck by those conversations uh, and thought yeah. what you guys were doing was phenomenal. Yeah, no, definitely. And as I, I think two points to pick up on there. One is, I think, you know, you're right. The, the, the challenges and the complexity are, are, are huge. Um, and actually, that's probably, you know, I talked earlier about barriers to entry. There's not that many barriers to entry to setting up a company in our space. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of barriers to entry to doing what we did, not just the complexity, but also as founders, sort of the risk profile of thinking, mm, like, do I, this is a big, big decision. And if this backfires, that's, you know, there's no going, no going back. So actually, I think inevitably there, there aren't that many businesses and individuals out there who are really able to make that step. Because we were talking to a few businesses at the time, and in the end, mm-hmm. it was the four of us who were like, yeah, we're going to do it. And it is that leap of faith. So it's I, I, a trust. I think, yeah, it's, it's a trust exactly. issue. Like you know, this is your livelihood. This is your families. This is you know, this is gener- potentially generational wealth or building up to this that you're putting on the line based on trust and and a shared vision and goal. And you know, one weak link, I mean, you're potentially fucked. And so yeah. it's it's yeah. pretty. It's pretty phenomenal that, you know, at that time it's four and we'll talk about, you know, now it's, it's even bigger, uh, where it's going, but it's, it's a, tr- it all comes back to trust in my eyes. Yeah. It, it, it's massively that, um, and it's trust, but there's always the leap. And I think you have to, you have to factor in that kind of calculated gamble and risk. And I guess as entrepreneurs in general, you, you've got to have some risk appetite because you wouldn't be there otherwise. But obviously, though, we were speaking to lots of people. It was just, actually, that's not for us. We're not ready to go to that next step. But, but I think if we looked at the alternative, what was the alternative? Certainly, that's the way I looked at it. Is yeah. We had a nice independent business in London, which was growing. But you're always, you're, you're at, there's a risk in just staying in one market and one city. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen with the regulation. You don't know if there's going to be a black swan. And, and you also have to think about your own ambitions. Where do you want to go? And we wanted to be a big international, credible business, quite a big, a big brand that people knew about and something that we were proud of and were excited by. And to do that, there aren't that many options. I mean, the one which was most prevalent at the time was go to a VC and raise as much money as you can and then just right. go to a city with a sort of blank checkbook and spend a lot of marketing and hope for the best. And, and it didn't turn out Require. very well. Right. You know, or, or, or how would they do it here in the States is you just go and you with a big check and be like, I'm going to buy you and buy you and buy you. Yeah. It's just a little different. That's, that's a really good point. Um, people weren't really doing it then they're doing it a bit more now. Um, but, but that's, that's definitely our, you know, what's happened. You know, we've acquired a few small businesses along the way. Um, and, and we're, that's definitely, if we're entering a brand new market or a new city, um, that, that would be the way we would ideally do it. And again, it's not just acquiring the business, but it's the acqui hire bit as well. It's getting that local knowledge. It's getting that, you know, that founder who's there in the, in the business and then incentivizing you in the same way we were to, to see like the bigger picture and the bigger dream. And that's when you have something a bit more stable and a bit more real and tangible on the ground that can turn into its success. I think, I think if you don't do that and you just come in fresh and just think you can learn about the market really quickly and you'll be able to like, take market share off the incumbents is 
is actually quite a big challenge. So yeah, it's a good point. So talk to me about what you've learned in this process, because having your co-founders there with you and having grown and, and the fact that y'all are still together in today, talk to me a little bit about how that leadership dynamic played out. Like I see you in the CEO role now, right? Like I, and there's had to be some learning lessons from that time into, you know, kind of where you are today, where you're leading today and how you lead, how do you lead you know, a, a group full of other leaders, right? How do you lead yeah. a group of other business owners in that space and still keep the relationship, keep the focus, keep the dynamic, keep, you know, the essential team spirit around, you know, this entity and, and what you guys are focused on doing in a way that lasts without egos, you know, without the other things that tend to break businesses and partnerships apart. Like, how did you do that? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, it's, it's a very good question and one we were very mindful of from the start but it, and, and spoke about a lot. But even so, we've got to where we are and I think it, it, it worked out in the end. But there's, again, with the, the no BS hat on, I would have done it differently now knowing what I know because this was all new to us again. So we were inevitably naive about some stuff. But there's definitely a few things I would have done differently um, in height, which I think would have made things a bit easier and a bit quicker and we would have been able to... Um, progress a bit faster. And one of the things is when, when we were doing the merger, a lot of the focus was on the legals um, and that takes a long time. Um, yep. There's a lot of work that has to be done to get, get that process done. And so it sort of kind of by being a bit fatigued by that whole process, it was kind of like a lot of the energy was just like, let's just, let's just get this done. And then once that's done, then we can work out the rest. And a lot of that is true. You know, you don't need you don't have time to focus on working out exactly what the future business is going to look like. But one thing I would have done if I did this again, or uh, yeah, if I do do this again, is have clearer conversations at the start about what the future management team is, rather than working that out as you go along. Because I think that just sets the tone and, and, and dynamic early on, and it just makes the decision-making process a lot easier. We knew as a group, and people would tell us that the biggest challenge you are going to have of bringing four companies together is you're bringing four sets of founders and entrepreneurs all with their own ideas. That's going to be your, your biggest problem because you're going to be pulled in all sorts of different direction. And for us, for sure, it was, you know, we, we acknowledged that. We spoke about that. We said, look, that is going to be the challenge. Um, and I think our solution was at the time, which was one way of doing it, was, was we were going to have rule by committee for a bit, um, mm -hmm. which, we, which we did do, which was functional, but I wouldn't say was your ideal, you know, blueprint of how you want to do it. Like it, it, we were able to make decisions, we could move forward, but it wasn't sort of the, the, the best and most efficient way. And then the other thing, which I think was a good idea is to say, look, rather than us trying to like get behind one person or someone putting themselves forward, getting someone totally independent from us. Mm -hmm. might be a better way of saying, look, well, it's not about any of us and about our egos and about the legacy we bring. Let's use someone else who's independent and then we all get behind him. And we spoke about this right. earlier in the tale. We got a guy from the US called Billy. And so, and he had some experience in the US market, came over to Europe. So that, that was in um, end of 2019, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so the first few months we were sort of ruled by committee and then, and then we brought in Billy. And Billy was with us for about six months. And that was really important for the formation of kind of the Altido spirit and making sure that the separate companies didn't run as independent right. businesses, but, but ran as a, as a cohesive unit. 
but then COVID hit and then all bets were off because then yeah. you just, you just doubled down or quadrupled down on everything. Uh, and you don't know whether you're going to be able to keep the business going. So right. Billy, Billy went back to America. That was a, a mutual decision between us. It just wasn't going to work keeping on, um, you know, senior management. Wait, was like Billy, that. was Billy, yeah, Billy it, it, shout out to Billy O'Sullivan, man. Yeah. And he was yeah. A friend. He's a friend of the show. We know Billy. Oh, Billy. Yeah, well. pretty, I understand that situation. That, was PMI. I think you spent yes. a little bit of time with BMI. Okay. Yeah. Word, the, exactly. I'm sitting trying to cite, I'm like, I think I know who this is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the man. Yeah. And, and it was at that, and then we then COVID here and then you're in a crisis situation. And in a way, like crisis situations can be, I mean, they're painful, but they can be quite good in terms of decision-making because you don't have time. You'd have to right. just say, okay, like, like guys, we can't sort of debate this for too long. And so I put myself forward to say, look, I've got a pretty good steer on, I was working in the business quite closely with some of the key teams. Whilst we go through this storm, there's a few goals we need to focus on and we have a vacuum of leadership right now and we need one of us to step up. So I put myself forward, the guys backed me, which was great and really yeah. appreciated. And then it was a case of just riding out the storm. And we did that to varying degrees of success over the, the, the following, well, 2020 particularly tough, 2021 we began to came out of it and then 2022 has been been our greatest year on record and it's just yeah it's been brilliant to finally really see you know I only realized this recently when I look back if you think about the Altido dream like 2019 was a good year but it was it was still early days and scrappy yeah. and then COVID took out two years this year was the fruition of okay we took a risk with Altido what's it going to turn out was that the right decision and I think we, we proved ourselves in the market, particularly in Europe, as one of the leading voices, leading forces. We're very profitable. We're a successful business. We've got an incredibly large team. Uh, and now we're, we're growing that team because we're, we, we, yeah, we've done this deal with, with a larger company. So now we're going to be in France and Spain as well. So um, wow. it's and, and, and new product lines as well. So that hopefully gets you almost up to present day. But you can see it's been... Yeah. Uh, a wild journey of all sorts of different. It's interesting. I mean, yeah, these past two years alone, right? And John, I, I mean, to get you out, but I'll let you go. Like, COVID for y'all was very different than COVID for us, right? Like, at the end of the day, like the lockdowns that you had in countries in Europe, Spain, and those, like, you couldn't leave, right? Like, there was no industry in the US. We saw bumps because you know people could go rent places and stay there and still drive and travel and walk and be outside like in in, in a lot of different places. We don't know shutdowns like y'all did, and to be able to survive that in a hospitality space where you can't move is again. I don't think we understand the you know on this side of the pond what that's really like in the complexity. I could only imagine having to steer a hospitality business through that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, certain yeah. markets only had, you know, were, were, I mean, it was gloom and doom. Florida was shut down and these certain markets were for like two months. And then they had the best year ever. Like, like there was so much. And I, and, I, and again, you, t you mentioned this, you know, how like it's, there's never, it's never great, like a, a pandemic or anything, a disaster of any sort of sign isn't like a great thing. Right. But, you know, those that were, had the solid foundations came through it very quickly. And you see that, and you see that overseas too. If you get a solid foundation, you're going to be able to ride through it. Those that were built on, you know, you know, a house of cards, um, they quickly, you know, were <laughs> reacquired by somebody else who had had a some more solid foundation. And then that helped them scale exponentially. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, two years of nothing where us, it was like two months. Yeah. It's a huge difference. And then it was the best year. You know, now we're starting to see see you know it 
come down to like a plateau where which, which is still higher than 2019 um but it, it wasn't where it was you know you know right after the pandemic um which was like the best year ever i'm curious to hear about your new your new venture and then i also want to talk about some some macroeconomics in in this you know pre-recession entering recession and in, in, in you know what are your ideas and forecasts globally for our industry, you know, because it's scary times again, but in a different way, you know, and I, I think it's not as scary as I, I think over my personal opinion is that, yeah, things are going to, yeah, again, you're going to separate and I, and, you know, and I hate using this analogy, the men from the boys, because it's very, it seems pretty sexist, but you know, you understand what I'm trying to get across. But yeah, so talk a little bit about this, this new conglomerate, I don't, maybe not conglomerate's the wrong word, but the new uh, partnerships you have coming, moving forward and, and what, what you're going to do with that. Sure. Well, ju and just to pick up on the COVID point, I mean, you're, you're right, guys. I think, I think it was, was a definitely different over here. I mean, 2020 was, was really a write-off, like we, our revenue was massively down um, and, and we were, we were losing uh, hemorrhaging money. You know, we weren't, we were made a big loss in, in 2020, 2021, we kind of, um, we made it, we were still down on 2019 numbers. We're probably breaking even at best. Uh, and then this year for us was, you know, that was when it really, for the urban market in Western Europe, that was when things really bounced yeah. back with, in just a way that we'd never expected. So that was, that was fantastic for us. Um, but what we were doing along that journey, you know, one of the things as independently owned businesses was we thought, well, we'll create this platform to raise money because um, then we could then we could grow at a pretty fast rate and we could be quite strategic with the money that we raised. And in 2021, you know, we put that on pause due to COVID, but in 2021, we were thinking, okay, well, we're not quite sure where COVID's going, but now's the time to build out again. And, and you know, that dream of, of raising money and growing this business is, you know, we need to write a business plan for that. So we did that and we went out to market. Um, and one of the first people we spoke to was, was this company. I mentioned it's a kind of adjacent um, industry, so co-living, student living, managing beds um that they, they do a rent to rent model um mainly in italy but also in france and spain or that via acquisition actually so they acquired a, one of the largest players in france and, and acquired a player in spain and they've been growing out those three markets so there's some good synergies because we were already in italy and we were doing the short let side they were doing you know six months to a year long stays we were doing one week stays um we're all in western europe but we we're in the uk and portugal where they're not um and they were uh, we got speaking to them about um, an investment in us so that they can get some exposure to the short let market. And you talked earlier about trust. You know, we, we met these guys. Um, we got on really well with them. Um, we began to get to know them. It was, you know, very Italian. We went for some lovely dinners in, in Italy, um, which is all part, part of the process. And then we, you know, I think both sides realized actually, again, a bit like what we did with Artido, there's a, a really interesting play to do something dynamic and shake up this industry again. Um, and there's there's a lot of synergies between our businesses. So so we we essentially they, they acquired 100% of Altido, but we share swapped into the the larger um, entity. So I'm now a shareholder of this larger group, and we yeah that that business is called Dover Viva, which is in Italian means where I live. And so then again now we've got a bigger team. Um, I'm working in these with these these new people. Um, we are short letting some of their units. Um, equally, they're looking at some of our units where we can do co-living. So it's the post-COVID landscape, the way people live and work, we all know has changed dramatically. And so 
um, we 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 think and hope that we're creating a business which kind of mirrors that to this to this future where you, you've sort of got a one stop shop. So there'll be a new brand coming out um, next year, and we're you know we're still working a lot of stuff out internally, just like we did when we did the Algido merger. But it's been a really another new experience. It's been a great one. Um, we're really excited about what we're going to build. Um, it's the new brand. Well, it's the new brand. Uh, you know, are you are you axing Altito altogether, or or that, or are you gonna you're gonna coexist like multi brand? Yeah, so so at the moment we're in that process. We're working with a branding agency, and that's a key question that that we've been looking at. Initially, what will happen is there'll be an umbrella brand that will be launched mm-hmm. in Q1. Um, so that covers because we've got three brands. Actually, we've got one in France, one in Italy, and then the short left one. Um, once that umbrella brand is launched, it will be Altito by X, for a- right? period of time most likely um and then in future there will be some some sub brands to distinguish um which product you're engaging with so something like you know x travel or x living depending on on which which product line you're engaging with us on but i mean that's still that's early days and that will that will be we'll try some things out and we'll work with that team to, to it, launch that next year. It's so interesting. Like we, yeah. we dive into brand all the time and we love brand and, and, and the, and how strong it is and, and what, you know, it's how important it is. And it's so interesting. Like when you have a strong brand like Altito, right. Which is a, a very strong brand. It's, it's recognized. It's a, the, the word alone, you know, we've talked about this early in the podcast already, but when there's, there's a, there is definitely a, you know, a conversation to be had to keep it. Then there's a conversation they had to, you know, to, and then with the living and like, which is also very strong, you know, and, and those, these are tough decisions. This isn't like, this isn't like a very like, ah, yeah, we'll go ahead and do this because you put a lot of time and money and effort and focus and, and I'm sure there's analytics and case studies and there's all this behind the scenes talking, you know, giving you every reason to keep Altito, but you know, but then overall, then you have to have the sense as in a company to to look at the bigger picture and not not 2023, not 2024, but we're talking 2030. What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, anytime you switch brand in, in those that, you know, in marketing and know this, you're going to take a dip. Like there doesn't matter what you say and how you there will be a dip. And then how quickly does that bounce back? And it, I love this. I mean, it's. This kind of stuff I like nerding out on. <laughs> well, I, I can tell because, I mean, you, you very astutely have just summarized many of the conversations we've been having internally. And the way I look at it, and this is sometimes harder for some of the, the team who, you know, they do get very loyal and very Im- embedded just internally to a brand. Yeah. But the way I look at it is, um, is exactly that in terms of the long-term vision. And we've been through this already because our baby was the London Residence Club. Right. So back then, that was a much harder thing to say, Oh, okay, we're going to Altito, but what's going to be the damage? And actually that brand's really strong and the clients like it. Maybe can we just have that as a sub-brand like London Residence Club by Altito? And the right, that, was the, that would have been the wrong decision. But I remember saying at the time, like, oh, actually, I'm not sure. But actually, the, the, it was so important with that, that, we, that just to bind this into one company rather than a collection of four separate companies to say, look, we are one company. We are one brand. That's really important just for the, the staff internally. And then in terms of if you're really wanting to double down and, and have an impact on the market on, in, in the wider press and, and in the industry, just consolidating into one brand that you can hit people with, with Altido, we've seen that over the last three years, that's had a big impact. People won't remember the other four brands that they were, whereas right. this one is really important. And we're just going through that same phase again, I believe, but just at a higher magnitude. 
is and, and so now I'm actually, you know, that was great. I love the Altido journey. It was fantastic. I like the brand. I like where we've taken it. But I'm also I'm now more than ready to say, okay, cool. I'm seeing the bigger picture. You know, we're we're building a, a really big company here. We've got as 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 the wider group, we've raised significant amounts of capital. Turnover is significant. We've got over 400 staff. You, you, you know, that there's only a few routes you go as a company like this, one of which may be IPO. And it, you you have to think about, okay, you have to go to the next level again and get your head in that in that headspace, which is a new challenge for us every single time. But I think because we've done it a few times, then it comes a bit easier. You know there's going to be things you're learning. There's no no there's going to be things you don't know. But you're you're like, okay, we did it before, it worked out. This is just doing that again, the stakes are a bit higher, but it's exciting. And that's why we're in this journey in the first place. But my question is, I guess it never really goes up. Well, and this is different. And this is, I think with Altita, oh, it's different because it's an idea, right? It's ingrained in the DNA, a life that I dream of. Like, how does that not translate into whatever comes next, right? Like, I, to me, when I see that, when I see you, and the people that have been exposed to you and see the things that that you do next, right? Like that's always going to come to mind, right? Like I don't know that even if however you transition or whatever comes next, it seems like that's still going to always be ingrained in it as a piece of the culture because of the idea and because of what we do in hospitality and because of what we, you know, what brands do and experiences and in courting guests and what we want our guests and our managers like it's when you think of a life that I dream of, there's so it's so broad, but so appropriate to our space because it fits in so many different ways. Like, what are you working towards the things that you dream of? You know, what are your guest experiences? What do they dream of? Right. Like and even for you guys, like what are you building as a company? What do you dream of? Like and to me, that's so powerful in 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 and of itself. Right. And so taking that. How does that not excite you? To, I mean, it has to excite you in terms of whatever you guys are going to be building next. Well, I, I'm really glad you said that because it's something that I can 100% agree with that I haven't thought about. And so, so now I will take that back because, because I can tell you, and I'm glad that you felt it in the industry of that because internally that is something we have built massively over the last three years is to ingrain that in part of our culture. We have surveys each year on an annual basis where we asked our staff, what is your dream? And this is not about work and work wise, but is what, what right. is their dream? A realistic one that you want to fulfill. And then we draw names out of the hat and we fulfill the dreams for those people. So some one guy goes skydiving, one guy gets his, his you know, hey, I'm going to let you know. I love that. Too, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't, can't. I love that. <laughs> so so as, you, as, as you point out, it, it is ingrained. So we've created that culture and we will carry that forward. And that is in the way we treat our guests, our owners, and treat ourselves internally. So, so no doubt, some of the stuff we've done with Altido will feed its way into the new vision, the new values that we create that we're working on. I can almost see so, that being part of your your mission statement of the, you know, like, dude, I, how can it not be? What other brand makes you feel that way or makes you think about that? Even in terms of a tagline that makes that's so broad ranging, like name another brand that makes you feel good in that way, that gives you that kind of answer. I can't think of one off the top of my head yet talking about branding all the time right so yeah i can't either you know i, I know we don't have that much time left but i, I want to definitely but before we get out of here i want to chat about you know okay we know where you're going we we know the plan at least right we know it's coming together you know the plan there's a rebrand coming where i'm we're all excited to kind of see it and see it launch out but what happens 
we're looking at 2023. We're looking at 2024. There's, there's the R word is, is here. Um, there's, you know, people aren't going to make it again. You know, there's, you know, but are you worried? Are you, are you poised to knowing that again, there it's, is it going to be, is it going to be a pause? Is it going to be, you know, what do you see if you're using your, you know, magic ball here and you're forecasting? So I'm probably not going to give a very satisfactory answer because in a way I, w- I want to come full circle to, to kind of what I said at the start about how, how we started this business and how it wasn't this grand vision. And in a way, when I look back over the last seven years, particularly with my conversations with Tom, um, who was my original co-founder, and we're, we've known each other for years, very close. And one of the values we had just between us was always hold things lightly because it's, it, it's you don't know what's going to come around the corner. So certainly celebrate the successes um, and celebrate and thank your team and 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 you know we've we've had a fantastic year this year we've had some great christmas parties and um so there's been a lot of excitement at the end of the year which is good um but the other thing is is you know having that one of our other values is staying humble and so and that that's a company value and i think that humility is really important so that's not to say don't have a plan and don't prepare you know that that would just wouldn't be prudent but I know enough about what we've seen over the last seven years that over planning and overthinking hasn't necessarily got us to where we meant to be. In fact, actually coming at it the opposite and just building things slowly, doing it on your own way, doing it in an independent way, often kind of regardless of what's going on in the external market has served us well. Clearly things have changed. We're a much larger business now and we could not afford, you know, we have uh, our responsibilities as you know, I'm sitting on the board of Altido. I, you have to think about these things. Right. And so if you really push me for the answer, I'm naturally quite optimistic and bullish. I've seen what's happened this year. I can see our, our booking window and nothing massively is changing at the moment. Next year looks like we're, we're going to be in good shape as well. But I also look at the fundamentals that we put down, our team. We've got a team that are really experienced now that we've trained over time. I know I trust them. I know they can deliver. Our, our strategy in terms of our inventory, we've diversified our, our, our portfolio massively. So that can only help um, to deal Absolutely. with any pressures that might come. We're, we're across different geographies, different cities, and we manage different types of inventory. That synergy I mentioned earlier, yes, we can do the short let, but we can switch that very easily to a mid let or a long let. So I think there will be some bumps in the road, but if you've taken on COVID, none of them scare me. Um, and, and I think, you know, we know... The markets we are in are strong. There's still a lot of them are supply constrained. The demand is still there. I may look foolish in a year's time if we're having this conversation, but right now I think I'm, I'm really confident where we're at. We're very well financed as well. I'm going to actually, you know, I'll put my prediction out here. It's very comparable to your prediction. My prediction is, you know, is still more of a bullish prediction. I think things that will change are, are things like booking windows and seasonality. Um, these are going to change a little bit. You're going to look at your traveler might change because um, a, they're waiting longer and longer and longer to make sure things are good before they're going to go ahead and book. They're going to make sure they have their finest. So things are going to change, but overall, it's not going to be an, in like an astounding dip. I think it's going to be a, a decently strong 2023. That's my prediction. I think we'll, we'll see more uh, landscape changes as you know those that are you know are scared are like screw it, I'm done. I made it through this, but no, I don't want to go through this. But I, I don't think it's going to be the the upturn that you know, some are predicting. I, I'm I'm pretty comparable in my prediction for 2023. Good to know. 
Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see where that lands. But yeah. regardless, um, you know, one of the things we're definitely going to do is have you and, and get the team back. Actually, next time I want, I want to get the whole team on here, man, and talk sure. about, you know, it, it, we'll do a recap and uh, then we'll we'll talk about, you know, how the year has gone and, and talk about all the good things that uh, the new partnership you guys are bringing to the table is doing. So, you know, we'll definitely love to have you guys back, but good luck, man. I, you know, I'm rooting for you. Um, I, you know, I know the, the, the way in which you guys operate has always been very smart and, you know, taking lots of risk while opening up the markets, opening up ideas and, and opening up, you know, the markets and the brand to growth. And, you know, so I wish you, uh, I wish you and the team all, all the best uh in, in this year coming up and and looking forward to watching your success that's very kind well guys it's been a pleasure thanks for having me on I, and i hope we get to meet in person at a um a conference in man let's make that a goal this year yeah, yeah absolutely nice. yeah and super nice being you will thanks for joining us Cheers, guys This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.